0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9:30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you can do that here with us. I wanted to uh, share, and I don't know if you've kind of experienced this before. If you watched any of the Olympics which is always really cool. And to see the amazing, you know, and the, and the, and the gift of on-demand is pretty cool too, because I, I can never catch things when it's going to be on, right? Who knows when it, what side of the world and everything. So they, you can watch these little clips and these, these Olympic moments are pretty amazing. I'm always in awe of that. I'm always in awe of the, 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 the elite uh, athletes and how they compete at such a high, high level. And you know, and you've heard the stories each time you hear these athletes and their lives, the dedication that they make is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, you, you really think about this, all the work, all the effort. I mean, at some point when they were a little child, someone says, your kid has potential. They could one day make the Olympics. And so within that, there was a dream, there was a desire and the dedication, early morning workouts Thousands of dollars are spent. Entire families are relocated to closer to the mountain to, to learn to do whatever they need to learn to do. You know, exchanging like you know pizza for power shakes. Okay, when you're a kid, that's a bummer. No more, no no dating, no proms, no you know social life. All the things that kind of you know sacrifices are made. That they get to that place, and it comes down to a hundredth of a second. Your life, entire life, and all you dedicated can, can come down to a hundredth of a second, make or break it. And as you listen to the interviews of each of these elite athletes, you're just amazed by their life and what they're committed to. And, and not that the commentators always ask this question directly, but they, they kind of allude to the famous question, the most well-known question is this, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Now, I don't know about you. I've never had any watching and they go, no, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> Even if they don't make it to the podium, they say, of course, they say yes. Yeah, they dedicated their entire life. Why would they not say yes? It was worth it in the process and all whatever the results they got. And I'm thinking about that. And I was, I was, I was just thinking this week, and I, I kind of sensed the Lord saying to me, Dan, are you willing to dedicate your life to me in that level? Are you willing to sacrifice to that very place? Because I was thinking about this, like, what is it behind these people that they're willing to do that? And it comes down to this belief, believing in something bigger than themselves. And I sense the Lord saying, do you believe me to be that big in your life that I can accomplish what I want to accomplish? Are you willing to make the sacrifice? Are you willing to go there? And of course I would say yes to that, but do I do that really in my, my life, in my, my everyday life? See, I got to admit to you sometimes, and in fact, I've had moments where I feel like kind of a chill has come over down my spine, where I almost sense being, I am a full-time pastor, but sometimes I feel like I'm a part-time follower of Jesus. Now, before that scares you for me to say that, I don't live a double life, but I think you can relate too as, you know, we read our Bible and we pray and we do those spiritual things as many Christians, Christians do. But throughout my day, the people I'm meeting with, the conversations I'm having, the things I'm thinking about, the things I'm working on, my, my agenda that I have, I can catch myself going, oh, I think I'm trying to put myself on the podium more than Jesus should be on the podium of my life. And it comes down to, am I willing... Do I believe Jesus is who he says he is and he'll do what he's going to do? And it comes down to how big, really, we think, I, I think Jesus is in my life. I saw uh, this a, f- a few weeks ago, and it reminded me this last week. My son on his dresser, he has this little miniature Jesus. Logan, do you recognize this at all? Are you, did you give this to him? Logan, you gave my son a... A dancing bobblehead Jesus. Do you know how silly and sacrilegious this is? Don't clap. Don't clap. That's not good. Hey, buddy, I, I know your heart. your heart. You had a good heart for this, but that that is pretty silly. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit. I was just thinking, how silly and sacrilegious this is. I, I, I call myself. Do I have I reduced Jesus to be this size in my life? Have I done that? Hey, have, you know, have have I made him this small in my life? Have I tried to miniaturize him a little bit? So I know again, it's, it sounds kind of silly, but there's there, and I and I I don't want to blame anybody in the past, but I I think there's some well-intended, wonderful people that in some ways did a disservice to us to communicate to us that Jesus could be this small. And it's, again, it's, and, and, and you're, I'm going to probably stretch your theology here a little bit as I do. But if, especially if you're a child, someone along the lines communicated to you. And I, I, I always communicated to when I was a child, probably a VBS or something like that, where people said to me, Danny, do you want to go to heaven? Yeah? Well, you need to invite Jesus in your heart. And so I wanted to go to heaven, so I prayed, Dear Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. You now, there's nothing wrong with that, that prayer. That's a, that's a good prayer. But if we begin to think about that, like it can kind of create some bad theology. See, here's the thing: there's nothing wrong with the prayer in the senses, because what we're really truly asking when we're praying that prayer is saying, Jesus, come. In my life, your, your, your spirit of Christ, we were singing about that. Come and transform me. Come inside of me. Because the, the, if we try to do a bunch of things on the outside, that's religious activities. It really has to be Jesus, his spirit, changes from the inside out. That's where real, real tr- true change takes place. And I think a lot of us know that already. But if we're not careful, we can, we can kind of follow some bad theology. And the bad theology is that somehow Jesus is to, little pocket mini Jesus is to fit into our life. Now that works pretty good when you're a kid, when you you think that way. Mini Jesus works pretty good at Sunday school and VBS, but when we're facing real life problems, when we're going through difficulties in our life, pocket Jesus doesn't seem to help us a whole lot. Some of you might have experienced that when you're a kid, if you've given your life to Christ, where you invited Jesus in your heart, and, and, and all of a sudden, real life hit. Parents got divorced. You're rejected by peers. There's breakups. There's problems. There's Life got really, really complex and compounded. And, and what happened is our belief in Jesus got challenged a little bit. So you and I are here today, but possibly at some point, you didn't follow Christ because you had this version of Jesus. In fact, you have friends today. I have adult friends that they grew up in the church, and at some point in their their young adulthood, their life got life got too busy and complicated, and and they found that the the miniature sized Jesus that was presented to them wasn't big enough for their life, and so they not only stopped going to church, but they kind of they stopped really following their, in their faith at all. So I think some of us can relate with this that. One point, somehow, the miniature sized Jesus was not big enough and it was not real enough and it was not strong enough. So, let me ask you this question How big is your Jesus? How big is your Jesus? See, the answer to that question really comes down to how we have pocket sized him in our lives to have him accommodate what we want. Pocket sized Jesus works really good in the small problems in our life. And we we, we pray little prayers like, oh, Lord, help me through this, this meeting I got to get into. Oh, God, I wasn't prepared. Oh, this test I've got to take. Oh, Jesus, I didn't know. Any, I didn't study at all. Oh, we're going to have to do a miracle here, Lord, you know. And, and we get through these little things in life, the little problems in life. But when the big, big problems happen, pretty soon we struggle because the, the version of Jesus that we try to accommodate and fit and shape in our life doesn't work. And we get severely, severely disappointed. I know this, you know this already, but Jesus isn't a good luck charm. He's not something you, you put around your neck or put in your pocket. The real Jesus, so you know, make very, very clear, it's not, not here. It, it, he's, he's big and he's massive. But the challenge for, to believe in the big Jesus is this, is that Jesus, that version of Jesus, the big, huge Jesus, he doesn't want to disfit in your life. He doesn't come to accommodate himself and to wait on you beck and call. If you really want the real Jesus and the big Jesus, there's a change. Yes, it happens in us, but it's the change starts with where we're at and us accommodate ourselves to him and the work that he wants to do in our our lives. At some point, again, many Jesus will not fit the way we want. We'll be disappointed every time. We need a bigger version. And I want to tell you today, I have great news that the real big Jesus is, is, is available. <laughs> Make any confusion, the real true Jesus is big. That he's bigger than your problem that you're facing. He's, he, he's bigger than the grief that you're experiencing. He's bigger than the pain you're enduring, the depression you're feeling, or the hopelessness that hovers over your life. There is truly a a version of Jesus that's way bigger and more massive than you can ever Experience. We've been doing this series. Everything we need to point out the fact that 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 do we believe this? Do we believe that He's bigger and that He's given us everything we need for life and godliness? Well, today I can just I'm I'm so excited. Not what I'm just declaring this morning, but what God's Word declares this morning that it's true that He is big and that He's massive and He is He isn't here to accommodate our lives, but to be Lord over it. And I, and, and I love one of the best passages in scripture is, is found in the book of Colossians that I don't want to look at here in this morning. In fact, I'm going to have you participate with me here in a second. The Colossians, it was it was written, Paul wrote to a group of people and they were kind of pretty distant from where like Jerusalem was. It was Asia Minor. It was kind of like modern day Turkey. So Think how far away, especially you didn't have motorized vehicles anywhere to get to. It was way far away. And yet the gospel reached that far through the life and ministry of Paul. And Paul writes a letter to the Colossians just to really share with us and, and shared with them how really big Jesus is. So as we do, I, I want to point out something very, very small, but I think is so significant. And this is where I need your help. When we read this scripture the word all is mentioned several times. And when we get to the word all, I would like for you to say all out loud. Can we practice together? Can you say all? All. all. Okay, you're with me? Okay, here we go. All right. Here we go. We're ready to go. Here we go. <laughs> the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all. creation. For in him... Things were created, things in heaven, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Oh. Things have been, been created through him and for him, and he is before oh. things, and in him, oh. things hold together. And he is the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself things, whether whether things on earth, on things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Wow, that sounds like a really big Jesus to me a little bit bigger. Okay. <laughs> a little bit stronger, a little bit more powerful. And I love that word all. All, all means all. You can look it up and you can look in the Greek. Well, all, all means all, all fullness, all authority, all, all over all things, all things hold together. It doesn't sound like a pocket-sized version of Jesus that we try to carry around. This is a way big Jesus. And here's the bottom line. Because he is big and massive and huge and is over all things and in him all things hold together. That really big version of Jesus is this. Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. You need to understand today that the real Jesus, he's either going to be Lord of all or not at all. And the way it works with this I can expand it is that either Christ has all the power and strength or he doesn't. Either Christ is the one we need and utterly depend upon him or he's not. Either Christ is true and forgiveness is real and brings transformation, or he, or he can't. Either Christ has, has enabled us to walk by faith, or he cannot. There isn't a kind of Lord. There isn't a kind of Jesus. There isn't one that's kind of convenient when we want him. We, we, we pull him out when we need him and we, put, we go on in our life. It doesn't work that way. If Jesus is going to be Lord of all, he needs to be Lord of all our lives, not just some. He can't just be Lord of all. Then he's none of all. It comes down to this. Do you truly Believe? Do you really, truly believe that Jesus is to be the Lord and leader of your life or not? <laughs> Small, little, pocket version, miniature Jesus isn't a thing. Okay, by the way, it, it, it's not true. The real Jesus. This is what Paul says of the really big Jesus. He says he is before all things, and all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the end, firstborn among the dead. And it says this, so that in Everything he might have the supremacy, in everything he might have the supremacy. I encourage you today some thoughts i 'm going to hit here for the next several, several uh, few minutes not so, hopefully not several minutes, a few minutes, but I want you to take some notes today. I encourage you you can do the fill in and what happens in your brain when you write it down, you see it, you, you hear it, you see it, and you write it down you 're going to remember it and you might this paper might not even make it to your car, but it will reinforce you to know and, and really trust in and believe in the big, the big Jesus. First is this: that Jesus and this is how he's proven his bigness, He has proven his supremacy in his preexistence. Jesus has proven his supremacy in his, big, his preexistence. You see, Jesus, his, his start, his first start was not little 7.8-pound baby Jesus. I don't, who, we don't know exactly. Jesus probably wasn't weighed when he was born. We don't know back then modern scales. But you're thinking, you're kind of going, well, wait a second, uh, you're, you're messing me up with Christmas, dude. Okay, Jesus was born as a baby. Yeah, he was born as a baby, but that's not the beginning of Jesus. You know this already, don't you? If you you, you recognize that the, what Scripture says that that this is not the beginning of of Jesus, Paul says all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things. And then, he, and then it's interesting, it he says he's the firstborn of all creation. So he was born, he was the firstborn of all creation. If you understand firstborn, and, and all through Scripture you need to understand, and especially ancient Hebrew history, is like when you're the firstborn of a family, is isn't that meant a whole lot, okay? Uh, you were the leader of the family, you were the next uh, can when it comes to everything. It wasn't, you know, say maybe you had another sibling, and you know, okay, we're going to divide the estate in half. Nope. If you're the firstborn, you got more than half, Okay. So being the firstborn was so important because it was saying that that Jesus, the son, the only begotten son, was had all authority given to him. He had all the power and supreme power. And what's significant, Paul goes on about this, about having him be God and, and the son of God is that he was, he was created in the image of the invisible God. Now that word image, it, we could think, oh, it's kind of like a mirror image. No, it, it's it has a deeper meaning. The word Image here means manifestation. And what Paul's saying basically is this. It's not only that he appears to look like God, he really is God. His nature, his being is perfectly revealed. God's nature perfectly revealed through Christ. I love what Paul says in verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness Dwell in him. God was pleased. It reminds me when Jesus was was, uh, baptized and he he came out of the water and that dove came from heaven and this proclamation, the clouds open up and and, and this thundering voice says, "Uh, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's God's pleasure upon his son and this decoration of who he really is, that he truly is God. It's called the incarnation means incarnate, with meat, I mean, Latin means flesh and bones, to do, come and dwell with us. That's where we get in Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. So he's, he's God. He is as God as God can be, but He once was man, first born among creation. See, the Bible contrasts with this, what the book of Hebrews describes about Jesus that he was human and was able to empathize with our weaknesses and one, and one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet the difference is he did not sin. So we got to put it together a little bit as this, that he was, he was preexistent, all God, all day, all the time, but he was man. So he was big enough, massive enough and who he is in God and yet he was close enough in humanity to understand what we're going through. I don't know about you, but that's the God I want. That's the Jesus. This isn't the Jesus version. I want, the, I want that Jesus version. I want the real Jesus version that he's big enough in my life to handle anything I'm going through. But he's, he's close enough to be there. And so Jesus is saying, listen, I know what it's like to have skin on. I know what it's like to go through what you're going through. I know what it feels like to go through in temptation. I can show you a better way. And, and if you're going through pain, I know pain. Oh, I know pain. I know more pain than any person on this earth. Not only the pain that I endured on, a, on the cross, the physical death of, on the cross, but there's lots of people, thousands of people who are actually crucified and crosses in history. But I take on spiritual pain, emotional pain, and the sins of mankind. You have no idea what pain i have gone through, but I relate with you. I know what you're, you're going through. See, that's the really big Jesus I need in my life. That, in that gives me divine perspective. He's massive, big enough, but he's, but he's close enough to understand what I'm going through. I don't know about you. That's when I need Jesus the most. A few weeks back, Christy, my wife's sister's best friend, died. 47 years old her and her husband were in Hawaii and they were snorkeling. And they went, some locals told them a great place to go. And so they were, you know, in the water and there was an undercurrent that was very, very strong and it slammed her into some coral rocks and then it slammed her in again. And so she suffered massive head injury and she died. She had, they have five kids, ages eight through 17. what do you do with that? It's just incredible, incredible gut-wrenching story. And, and we don't even know them, but we I was just broken when I heard the news and just just numb as we prayed for this husband and and, and children. And, and, and our, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law had been down there and caring for them. They they were their pastors at one time in, in their life in, in the little town called Nacelle, Washington. And I, I just you know, as we pray say, like, God, how do we have perspective on that? And yet some way, somehow God's got to be big enough in all that, doesn't he? And yet God can be close enough in anything we go through. And the perspective is this, and it's so critical to know this. If we don't get good perspective, if we try to tr- trust in a pocket version of Jesus that doesn't come through, one of the great toxic things that can happen in our life is bitterness. And bitterness comes in that we come to the place that maybe, Jesus, you're not strong enough to do what you can do. That, Jesus, you don't care enough to help us through what we're carrying through. And what happens is it, 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 it seeps in our life, and it's and it because we have this false belief of who Jesus is. I'm not going to give an answer to you or to, to that, this, one, this family that's experiencing incredible tragedy. All I know that Jesus is bigger and there's a persectus out there. Some ways, uh, somehow he understands all that's happening. But I do know this, that he's close and he's with us and he's near when we need him the most. That he's given us everything we need in the weakest times in our lives. And this to know is he's, he's all powerful in it. So you next know this, Jesus has proven his supremacy with his power. He's proven his supremacy with his power. One of the most difficult challenges in our day is a condition that not a lot of people want to talk about. Uh, it's, it's, it's mentioned here and there at moments in, in counseling offices. It, it's, it's what creates a victim mentality and really creates codependency of, of, of people uh, in our inner our, in our culture. It, it's developed many times, not just one traumatic event, but a series of traumatic events. People that have Soldiers, I was talking with someone yesterday that came back years ago from Afghanistan and is still dealing with what he's dealing with. I have no idea. And all I could say is I have no idea, but I, I'm just awe of your sacrifice because the sacrifice for him continues on. Even what he did already and what he's challenged through as he's come back. But it happens to people that have been victims and as a child, been abused day in, day out. and And when they thought there was hope hope was taken away, when they've been beaten down, beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. And then when hope really is there, when the do- open door is available when freedom is available and rescue is available, what the problem is, they won't take it because they've been burned, they've been hurt so many times. And what it creates is this condition called learn helplessness. Learn helplessness saying it's just no good, even though help, true help is available. And I tell you, that really affects your life spiritually, doesn't it? When Jesus, the big Jesus, the the, the true real Jesus wants to come and help our lives, you're like, ah, I don't think, I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think it's going to help any longer. And what happens is it happens to not just people that are out there dramatically don't get the help, it can affect us as well. Do we, do, do we really believe that Jesus is big enough, strong enough to change our lives? And whatever learned helplessness that we have developed in our life, where we maybe have lost hope, and what happens is learned helplessness, you know what it does? It creates a, a sense of false identity, of who we're really not and who versus who God says we are. My uh, brother-in-law, when he was a youth pastor, Several years ago, you might have even heard tell this story before. Uh, he had some prayer time with a student, probably young adult age, and came up, and, and he, this kid said to him, "Hey, I'm I'm wicked. I'm wicked. Jesus can never forgive me. I'm wicked." He's, "No, no, He can forgive you." And he just had this identity. He's like, "What's going on?" And the the guy ripped his shirt open, and it said "wicked" tattooed across his chest. And Wes had enough wherewithal and the Lord lead him. Listen, you might have tattooed wicked on your chest, but Jesus can write forgiveness on your heart. And he was able to lead him to Christ. But that man had a choice. Do I wear the label of wickedness or do I, do I believe what, who God really is and who Jesus is strong enough to change my heart and bring forgiveness? And it's the same way for you too. I don't know what's across your chest spiritually. Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it divorce? Is it whatever label, too little, too late? I'm too far gone. Nobody can, I've lost hope. Whatever that label is, that's learned helplessness. And I want to be gentle with you, but I want to be loving enough to tell you that's a false belief. You're believing in a mini Jesus. You need to believe in a Jesus that is stronger and bigger, that he is before all things and all things he holds together. You need to understand this verse is not only talking about that Jesus holds all things, that he's in charge of the cosmos and the place of the stars and he holds it all in his hand. But more intimately, more close to you is this, that he sees you where you're at and he wants to hold you. He has all things in him hold together. I don't know about you, there's moments I just need I need Jesus to hold me. It's kind of like a, a child when the, the thunderstorm hits and we run to the mom and dad's bed or maybe your kids, you did that, they did that to you and you, you held on to and All they want is you to hold them. That's it. There's nothing, there's no advice or anything just to get through whatever to get through. And I don't care if you're five years old kid or you're 55 year old macho guy here. We all need a moment to be held. We all need to know that, that there's a Jesus that's big enough and strong enough to hold us through and to get us through whatever we're going through and calls us sons and calls us says, in him, I am well pleased. Let me ask this question. Are you feeling helpless and hopeless today? Are you feeling helpless, hopeless today? If you are, I want to encourage you is this, that you are willing to admit it. You're willing, yes, I am in that place. And yeah, I lost some hope and I'm struggling. and I just feel like I'm, life's out of control. We want you to know we're here to help. We're here to help. We don't have answers. We point you to the answer. And each and every week, we say it over and over. There's people here, part of our Care and Connection team that want to help, that would love to pray with you and point you in some next steps you can take in your faith in Christ. It's interesting, as I talk with our Care and Connection people, I got some feedback, and they said this. They're not having anybody come to them after service. They're kind of like, I'm here and available, but nobody's really approaching. And I just said, well, I guess there's, nobody has any problems then. Not true, right? So it's connecting where we're at to where they're at and and the fact that Lord wants to use people to help us and encourage us. Don't, don't, don't live in a place of helpless and hopelessness. There's help available. If it's not someone after a service, if someone in your small group, there's a friend that wants to reach out. If there's someone calling you and caring about you, don't reject that. They just, they love you and they care for you. That's their agenda. Get the help you can. And if, if things get kind of really, really crazy and, and you're just thinking, man, I need a little bit more support and resources. We have a wonderful uh, night that we call Celebrate Recovery. It meets mean, every single Wednesday night. If you've got to hurt, you've got a habit, you've got to hang up. And I bet all of us in this room have one of those. And we all could benefit from it. But you say, man, I, I just need some help. I tell you, you've got hurt, you've got to hang up, you've got to have it. Men get together with men. Women get together with women on Wednesday nights here. You can come and go. There's no stop and start. Just show up and there's some wonderful people be there to help you. But you have to say, I'm willing to get the help that I really need. Here's the big thing I want you to take away from this point is this. It's, It's really filling this blank in. Is Jesus bigger? Jesus is bigger than what? Jesus bigger than. And for you to fill in that this week, it's Jesus, is he bigger than my pain? Is Jesus, is he bigger than my depression? Jesus, bigger than my addiction? Jesus, bigger than my divorce? Jesus, bigger than whatever it might be? And for some of you, I don't to get highly just like practical. You might need to put that a sticky note in the mirror each morning. Jesus is bigger than, and whatever that is, whatever you face, whatever you're going through, he's bigger. He's, more, he's stronger. He is before all things. He created all things and all things hold together. He wants the supremacy in your life. i tell you, Jesus is, is not a kind of Lord, part-time Lord. He just wants to be Lord all, all times, even in, the good, even in the bad. See, because when life is hard, that's where Jesus does his greatest work. In fact, his greatest work he's already done for us you can write this in lastly, is that Jesus has proven his supremacy with his provision. Jesus has proven his supremacy with his provision. We know this, but in our lives, we can do this. When things are going really, really well, God isn't really in the picture. We can kind of go, oh, you know, Jesus, things are good. We're fine. And then when life is difficult, we struggle. And God, where are you? I need you now, where are you? And I love the fact that God doesn't come along and go, oh, now you want my help. Now you're looking, for me. you don't want my help over here. Do you realize that I, I keep, I'm in charge of all things hold together? I, I know how many breaths you get to take and how many heartbeats you have in this life. Do you realize that? God doesn't rake us over the coals like that. He's this loving, perfect father. When I was listening to the Billy Graham funeral on Friday. I was able to be home enough to hear some of it. And I was just amazed by Ruth Graham, his, one of his daughters, who had gone through two divorces. And she had to go home, South Carolina. She's making the turn. She said, my, my, my parents' home was on a mountain. And I'm making the windy road up to the, to, the, to the house. I'm going up to the driveway and I pull in and there's my father. She goes, you don't understand, it's not just my daddy, it's Billy Graham. And I didn't know what he was gonna say. And I just felt failure. And I felt like a hopelessness coming over. And I just felt I didn't know. I honestly know. And I and 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 when when I got out of the car, he says to me, Welcome. I thought, oh, what a picture of God, that God is there. He's big enough and strong enough and and so loving as a father to take us in and be there for us. And the reason he can be that to us is all that he has provided for us. And he did it through Christ. He did it through. The relationship that you want to have and can have is all because of Jesus. You see, our sin was greater and, and stronger than our ability to deal with it. You know this to be true. You've tried to do life on your own. It doesn't work very well. Big problems become bigger problems. And you've learned along the way that little mini Jesus isn't cut in it. You need to trust in the big supreme real Jesus. And the big supreme real Jesus has provided everything through his death. I love Paul, he concludes this little section of scripture in Colossians, he says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I think it's so important you hear this, is that without Christ, not only are you separated in relationship with God, but did you know this, that you're enemies of God. I don't know about you, but if, if anybody don't want to be an enemy with is God. And that is the truth. Without Christ, we're alienated. We're strangers. We're foreigners. We're, we're enemies. And Jesus came to be that reconciler, that mediator. When you picture Christ in the cross, he was suspended physically between heaven and earth. That's what he did spiritually. That Jesus built that bridge and came to this table of negotiation and says, we're going to make things right. And the way we're going to make things right is what I did in sacrificing my life. And my very blood that's shed is going to sign the peace treaty. Now, I love how scripture says at the end of the book of Revelation, the Bible, it talks about the Lamb's book of life, that everybody who's trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior, their names in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know if this is true, but I'm wondering if it Those names were written in blood. The very blood of Jesus, your name is signed in heaven's reservation book. How powerful that is. What has God given us? He's given us everything that we need. And the greatest thing that we need is his peace and reconciliation with the Father. We can have this amazing, wonderful relationship with him. Little Jesus didn't do that. Big Jesus did. The real Jesus accomplished it all. He has given us everything we need for us to receive. Everything we need, we just need to do one more thing. You know what it is? Give everything to him. He's given us everything we need. All we need to do, recognize that he's done everything we need, he's done to give everything to him. That's the cost we're called to pay. Over the last couple weeks, just reflecting on Billy Graham's life. And there's so many quotes. You've read them, I'm sure, a lot of them on social media. But one of them that stood out for me today, this ties up what we're gonna close here in a moment with is this quote. Billy said this: Many people are willing to have Jesus as a part of their lives as long as it doesn't cost them anything. They may profess faith in Jesus and join a church, but Jesus to them is almost an insurance policy. Something they obtain and they forget about it until they die. What keeps you? Here's a great question. What keeps you from being his disciple? Many people have accused Billy Graham of being kind of surface level. They accuse him of, you know, as much as he's led millions of people to the Lord in the sinner's prayer, ask Jesus to come in their heart. He's the one that says to us, guess what? It's not just... Accepting Christ, converting some to him, it is being his disciple, and there 's a cost that is involved, that is involved. Jesus paid the price, and the cost now is us. I started at the very beginning talking about those Olympic athletes; they were willing to pay the price because they believed in something bigger than themselves. The question is, do you do you believe in the real big version of Jesus, if you really, truly do, and I really truly do, we will then he's provided everything they need that we're willing to give everything to him. As our team comes, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you believe Jesus is big enough to give you everything you need? Do you really believe in that real version of Jesus? Because I tell you, that's what will show your, the supremacy in your life. How big Jesus is in your work, how big Jesus is in your marriage, how big Jesus is in your, in your personal life, how big Jesus is in your thought life. How you entertain yourself, everything. How big is he? And that will tell you what you're going to do with your life. Do you believe? Do you believe? See, Jesus doesn't call us for him to come into our life. Really big Jesus says, I want you're to come into my life. To make me your Lord and Savior is to join me in what I have for you. I'm so glad that Jesus isn't pocket size. As much as at times I think it would be great, very convenient for what I want, but it's not big enough. We need a, a, a Lord that's bigger than us, that can change our lives and transform our lives, and He can handle anything. And I love the fact of this that He's big enough to have it all in control, and He's close enough to understand where we're at. That's who Jesus is, and in that He has truly given us everything we. Will you bow with me as we pray? (laughs) We're so glad, Lord, you're that. We're so glad that you are God Almighty, Jesus, and that you're so close and so personal that your very spirit can live intimately inside of each and every one of us. It's like you had it all figured out in the first place, and so we're grateful for that, Lord. God, I pray within our belief and I would say, Lord, within our unbelief that we can believe even greater who you are. Lord, will you expand our belief in you this week? Lord, will you give us a bigger picture a grander picture of who you really are? That our problem is not bigger than you. That our difficulty is not bigger than you. Our, Our pain that we're going through, our struggle, our addiction is not bigger than you. Our conflict with someone is not bigger than you. Our, our worry, our stress is not bigger than you. That you are in all things. All things hold together. You are, you are the first one of all creation. You you created all things, all things created by you and for you. So that you would have the supremacy in, in our life. Lord, may that be true for each one of us. And that we be willing. Jesus, you provide everything we need. Lord, even right now, there might be some that have not made you Lord and leader of their life. In fact, if you're here today, and you've not accepted Christ to be your Lord and leader of your life, do that right now. Say yes. That's to say, yes, Jesus, I confess you to be my Lord, leader, forgive me my sins, transform my life. Lord, your spirit, I pray, would come inside me. But Lord, I want to commit myself to you and your life, Lord. Take it, Lord. You're bigger, you're stronger, you're greater than my sin, my brokenness, my hope is in you. God, help us today. Help us as we go from this week feeling empowered that how big you are, Lord, how big you are in, in, in the scope and in the, in the lives of, of those around us, how big you are in our future, how big you are in so many different ways God, whatever challenges you face, Lord, you are bigger and that you are stronger and you can do all things according to your will as we submit to you. As Lord of all, we pray in Jesus' name.